you've got Villa next, haven't you? Yep. Monday night. Absolutely. It feels like a game you have to win. Yeah, I think we probably will, actually. I think we will. I think we will. Our hands kick means is there! And all too easy for Aston Villa. It's such a routine goal for Fulham to have conceded from a free kick. Scott Parker will be in despair. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of the Charlie Chats Footy Podcast with myself, Charlie Casson. How's it all going, everyone? Thank you very much to everybody who listened last week to Niall McNamee's episode. Had some great feedback, some wicked reviews. Got some new listeners as well this week. Um, hopefully Season 2 is getting out there. Had a lovely message from a bloke in Toronto, Canada. Massive Shrewsbury fan who um, gave, me a, gave me a tweet, said he was really enjoying it. So... Um, yeah, big up for listening, mate. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, FPL League. FPL League is still going strong. I've had a few late entries uh, this week. Not going to lie. You're not going to be valid for the prize if you win. Because you have to apply and get in there beforehand. So I do apologise for that. If you've not yet checked out ClassicFootballShirts.com, go and check it out. We're going to be getting Dougie, the owner of classic football shirts he's going to be coming on the pod in a couple of weeks um to talk football and talk classic football shirts for a little bonus episode so uh, yeah if you've not already checked it out go follow them on instagram and twitter constantly pulling out some banging tops so yeah go check it out so this is episode two it is with actor paul cooper who you will know as martin mucklow in the bbc hit comedy this country which is of course written by his son and his daughter two very very talented people charlie and daisy cooper amazing program so so funny one of my favorites um so it was an absolute pleasure to get paul on the podcast he's a massive fulham fan um he's gonna hate me for that little bit at the start because uh he actually we recorded this a couple of days before fulham played villa in the first game and uh, he obviously thought they were going to win, but they ended up losing 3-0, which actually, looking back at it, doesn't seem like too bad of a result, having scored seven against Liverpool. So, uh, yeah, Paul and any Fulham fan out there, 3-0 at home to Villa doesn't actually seem that bad. Um, yeah, he's from Sirencester. Him and Charlie are both from Sirencester. Uh, so, you know, Fulham, it was really interesting to hear how they became to support Fulham. And it's not your typical born and bred Fulham fan. Uh but it's really interesting and another wicked story about how football can bring people together uh, in weird situations. And we also talk about his charity, the National Children's Football Alliance, uh, which is just incredible. Um, I'm probably not going to do it justice describing it, so just take a listen and, and hear about it. You can check it out online and donate. I'm going to put some links in the bio and the uh, description of how you can check it out incredible incredible charity and it is just another reason and another thing that you know is keeping people together and, and brings people together f- through football so uh 
yeah please check us out follow on all the socials please keep sharing it and of course check us out on patreon patreon.com forward slash charlie chats footy but i ain't going to talk any longer because you're probably all bored of hearing my voice so this is season two episode two of charlie chats footy with the brilliant paul cooper enjoy i am here with mr paul cooper paul how are you doing mate I'm good, thank you, Charlie. Very good. Some of you may know Paul as uh, playing Martin Mucklow in the hit TV comedy, This Country, which is, of course, written by your two kids. Yeah, Daisy and Charlie, yeah. Good on them, yeah. <laughs> Absolute smash hit, that. You know what, when I, think, when I see you and Charlie, because I, I know you tweet about Fulham a lot, and you obviously open Fulham fans, I always just have to like say to myself, they do not support Swindon, they do not support Swindon. <laughs> Just because I think Daisy wears a different Swindon shirt in nearly every episode. Yeah, that's right. Well, we we kind of we kind of wondered about what what shirt to wear. Um, I mean, the nearest. Well, I mean, we live in Sirencester, so we did actually think about Sirencester Town. And Charlie played for the juniors. I managed him, Paul Bugger, uh, from the <laughs> age of five to eighteen. You know, never let him play out front either. Um, so, uh, so we thought about them, but and we thought about Cheltenham Town, uh, Forest Green, but would probably be kind of Kerry's team, so that's that's why we chose them. And we do work with in the with charity, they're brilliant. The foundation there are fantastic. Forest Green being the only vegan football club in the UK, that's right, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh we actually had a penalty as when we were in the juniors and Daisy played in the juniors for a bit as well. We had a, we had a half time when Sirencester town were in the same division. Can you believe as Forest green Rovers? We had a oh, half time, half time penalty shootout and uh, both Charlie and Daisy scored against their youth team keeper. He wasn't happy. Uh, <laughs> Daisy scuffed it and the guy dived in the other corner and it trickled in. I think she was about eight and Charlie was about five. So yeah, magic moments at the in, lawn, the old lawn. That was the, the yeah. Me, me and my dad went to the new Forest Green Stadium a couple of seasons ago to watch Forest Green v Barnet in League Two. Barnet, who we support, and I, I didn't. I remember going. I didn't know they were vegan, and we went to get a, a burger at half time, and we got onion bargies instead, <laughs> <laughs> which was quite a shock to the system. Um, yeah, but no, yeah, it was. It's a nice, nice little football club, isn't it? They're doing well for the planet, that's for sure. So. Um, so you, you, you and Charlie are from Sirencester then? Yeah. So why Fulham? How, how does Fulham come into this? Uh, Charlie uh, was kind of wanting to support a team. I guess he would have been about, it's been about 15 years ago. Um, and he kind of liked the look of Fulham. So I took him. We went up for an evening match to see them play uh, Watford in the FA Cup. Down at Craven Cottage. Down at Craven Cottage. And just kind of fell, we fell in love with them just on the walk down through Bishop's Park. Uh, You know, there's loads of of pubs and stuff in Putney to drink at. Walk down and just the ground and the the people as well. They're, you know, they're very kind of discerning and there's there's no no trouble and just, we just fell in love with it straight away. You know, um, hook, line and sinker, it's, 
I think it's probably the best. I haven't come across a better experience in, in terms of a day out in, you know, the walk, the pubs beforehand, you know, the, the atmosphere, you know, the, the, you know, Craven Cottage. Uh, it's, it's a you know, lovely little old fashioned stadium. And um, yeah, so we've just been fans ever since. I love that because he's, you know, as a, as a what he would have been a teenager at the time, obviously, you know, you'd, you'd think someone would go for someone like, I don't know, Chelsea or Man United or something like that. So to go for Fulham, it's, a, it's quite a niche thing to pick out of choice. Yeah, he had kind of obsessions. He still has. He kind of, he's, he's into obsessions with Italian teams at present and he buys all these obscure Italian shirts. But he was always as a kid, just buying weird foreign team, kind of second division French teams. And we went over for a, uh, around about the same, same age, we went over for uh, a long weekend and saw kind of French games, Amiens playing in the French second division and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> really weird. So he's obsessed with slightly obscure teams. Oh, Fulham, Fulham being one of them, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So, what's your? You mentioned you go FA. You went to the FA Cup with Watford, but what was your? Um, what's your sort of earliest memories as a as a Fulham fan? Well, that was it, really. I mean, that was um, the kind of you know in the Premier League. We didn't have that much money at the time, and unfortunately, uh, when we had that glorious run under Roy Hodgson in the Euro- Europa League Cup, etc. That was the year, kind of two thousand and eight, when the 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 um, uh, you know the banks all went bust and stuff, yeah. and so we we lost our house. And I think the only game we saw that year was was some naff kind of League Cup losing at home to Wickham two one because um, it was kind of ten quid for adults and five quid for kids. That's the only that dream season, you know. Um, Typical. So, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So what's the most, the most joyous you've been since you supported Fulham? Oh, I think in the, well, the two most, the, the two was getting to, you know, the first one being at Wembley against Villa. That was just, just amazing. You know, How was that, that day out? Day out? Day out. Oh, just wonderful. And it was the first time I was actually confident ever in a, a Fulham game. I just don't know. We were playing really good football. And uh, just the fans were superb. Talk us through the talk us through the day. Talk us through the day. Well, Charlie went on some kind of open top bus and got absolutely paralytic with <laughs> with, with the boys. And uh, <laughs> I I went to well I I went and met him at Wembley. So I kind of went into another pub. I couldn't find the pub he was in. Um, so we 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 came separately. He'd stayed up in London the night before, and I came up by car. And then we met for the game and yeah, it was just, just extraordinary. And then he went off to the pub and I kind of went home. <laughs> so <laughs> went our separate ways, but always, always meet up for the football. Yeah. Yeah, no, I remember that. It was 1-0, wasn't it? Yeah, 1-0. And the other one, of course, was, was the, the one we didn't actually see. You know, we, we weren't there. That was the Brentford game you know, mm. uh, at Wembley, which was, and I had, I just thought we were going to lose. You know, we hadn't been playing particularly well that season, although we had been playing well in, in the playoffs. Um, and Brentford but, had been so strong that whole year. Yeah, yeah. But but they'd had some funny results and they kind of lost at home to Barnsley, which we thought they might do because we lost at home 3-0, dreadful game that we watched. And uh, 
Yeah, that was something else. And two special goals from Brian as well. Yeah, he played well that game. I think yeah, Brentford, though, they, they absolutely they messed it up for themselves because I think it was the second last game of the season where uh, West Brom lost to Huddersfield, which allowed Brentford the following day, if they'd beaten Stoke, they would have been in pole position. And then I think they lost 1-0 to Stoke or something. And just, just when they yeah. yeah, and then they lost at home to Barnsley. Um, and I think they drew a game. I mean, I, to be fair to them, I think they played the best football in the league mm. um, that season, you know, uh, last season. I think they're going to struggle this year, though, without because they sold that Ollie Watkins, didn't they? Well, they always, I think they're the, you know, the, probably the best run club in the country. They, they, they pick from the lower leagues and they, they always seem to get better managers and better players than the ones they had. And it's the same story. Everyone says, oh, we'll have a bad. I mean, they started off really badly last season. It took a mm. while for them to get kind of used to stuff. But uh, um, they're superbly run. I think all the stat stuff they do, and um, I, I know the kind of the, the, the chairman of the guy who runs it. God, I sound like a bloody Brentford fan. Yeah? <laughs> um, you know, that he's, he's a stats man. You know, he, he runs a company that do all stats for football and stuff. And Blackpool have... Um, Tony Bloom runs a similar kind of company. So, yeah. And they just, seem to, they just seem to know the players that are coming through, you know, from lower leagues and stuff. Mm-hmm. You've, got to, you've got to tip your hat. But we got them in the League Cup next round as well. So who cares about the League Cup, you know? What's your, um, in terms of geographically where, you're, where you live, what's the closest away game if you wanted to go see Fulham? Uh, now, gosh, good question. Villa, probably. How far are you um, from Car- how, how, how far would you have been from sort of Cardiff way, Bristol way? Uh, Bristol's only 40 minutes, 45 oh, so minutes. That, so that would have been your closest last year, would yeah. it? Yeah, and we went. Um, we were guests of Joe Sim, the actor. Oh, he's been on the pod. Oh, has he? Right. Yeah. It was the last game before lockdown. So we had a brilliant day. It was a one-all draw. And uh, yeah, he was. we were guests of him. And Yeah, he's, 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 he's a big Bristol City fan, isn't he? I've got to touch on more recently... Are you a Scott Parker fan? I think he's done a really good job. Yeah, he's 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 starting to win people around, um, and uh, but he's had he's had his detractors all the way through. He hasn't been desperately popular, but he's he's tried things, and I think he's got a plan, um, and he's got a bit of a plan B, perhaps. Kanovic hadn't, you know, we, we played one way and I think we got found out in the, the Premier. I think, although we've had a really bad start, um, I think um, he'll be more prudent and he'll, he gets, he, he'll change things and I think he's, he's learning. You know, it's early days for him yeah. and he's got a good team around him. Um, so I, I'm, no, I'm, I'm definitely, I think he'll grow and grow. I think he'll be a really good manager. Yeah, I'm definitely pro him. I mean, with with Mitrovic up front, you'd hope you'd you know if he if he starts scoring regularly, you'd hope that's what will keep you up. Yeah, we well we're desperate for two centre backs. We need we we haven't addressed the centre back issue, and it's been going on for three seasons now. Um, and uh, we've got Hector in. Yeah, uh, I saw I saw Michael Hector make his football league debut for Barnet back in two thousand and eleven. I mean, the, if you look at the clubs he's had, he's been everywhere. Most of them non league. Yeah extraordinary i mean he was he was he, he was very good for for parts of last season 
and, and then when we had the break, he came back and was a bit dodgy. Uh, and then he got better again, and he started the season off poorly. Yeah, he looks he looks very out of his depth. Yeah, I, I'm in a, and I think he's it's his concentration, you know, and you just have to have that. The Premier League is it's just merciless. Mm. One one mistake. The Arsenal game on the first game, when I watched it back on Match of the Day, I think it was the header they scored. He Hector's literally just standing there yeah, watching watching the guy run behind him. Yeah, absolutely horrendous goals you can see. Yeah, really poor. We haven't addressed that. So if we don't address that, and we also need a winger, a goal scoring winger, you know, our wingers don't score. You know, I mean, who's your wingers at the moment? Well, it's kind of perm from different people. Um, is it a Cabana? Uh, Caballero, yeah. Cabano's, he, but he wasn't even getting games in the, in, the, uh, in the championship, but he's kind of come back and done really well with those kind of goals later on and free kicks. Um, and um, we sometimes have Kamara on the wing as well. It, he's, I think he's better on the wing than he is up front. But but he's he's had a kind of weak first couple of games. He's just not scoring. He seems to be lacking confidence. We really need a a winger that can score goals and yeah. holding really kind of hitting it off at present. It's it's such a it's such a tough one because if you do go down, that's twice in a row you would have come up and immediately gone back down. It, and it makes you know it makes those Wembleys the day outs. You think to yourself, what was it all for? So it's it's only really worth it if you can cement yourself in the league the following season. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't like the Premier and I think a lot of Fulham fans have said the Championship is, for me, the best division in the world. It's just yeah, just brilliant. It, everyone beats each other. You know, we like we lost 3-0 at home to Barnsley. We lost 1-0 away and they beat Brentford to, to keep Brentford into the playoffs and you just never know what's going to happen. It, it's much more honest. We don't have VAR, thank God. And, and there's the chance of kind of going up. Everyone's got a, you know, that, that top kind of 10 have got a, a chance of going up right to the end. Um, it's brilliantly, you know, two games a week. And, th- and then we were, everyone was celebrating brilliant. We've gone up to the Premiership, you know, beating Brentford. That was the key. And then you think, oh, yeah, but we're in the Premiership, you know. Yeah. That's really interesting because I've got a mate who's a Swansea fan and he was absolutely over the moon that they didn't win that semi-final against Brentford because um, he just says he loves the championship and he loves just going to like QPR on a Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, the away games and stuff are great. Yeah. It's just, I love it. We, we both love it. And uh, I think most Fulham fans do. And what are you going to do in the premiership? You know, you might do one season, you might get up to eighth or ninth is... Is, is amazing, you know, um, it's just, yeah, actually, I'd much rather be in a relegation battle in the Premiership than kind of finish you know, just, just outside the kind of European, you know, games. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned VAR. I've, I've been meaning to ask a few of my guests this. If you had the opportunity today to take it away, would you? Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. What, what's your yeah, views on it? Oh, it's just so boring. It's just, you know, I'd, I'd rather concede a goal that wasn't a goal than just, just wait really bored for five minutes before VAR makes it. Yeah. Just don't like it. It's just not football. It's getting, I think the great thing about football is such a simple game and, and you know, what you, you see in the park is what you get in the premiership, but it's going further and further, further and further away to, from that, you know. Mm. Okay. Uh, 
I think it's the scoring, the scoring when the strikers run off and they don't quite know if they can celebrate. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's just kills it. It kills it. And, and that's part of, you know, the controversy of, was it a goal, wasn't it? That's part of the game. That's part of the fun of it, you know. Mm. So, yeah, miserable. Yeah, absolutely miserable VAR. Yeah, they need to, they need to sort it out because it's, it, they are doing what they've said they'll do. That they're, they're, they're dealing with it correctly, but then it becomes, where do you draw the line? Because yeah, mm. you know, the ball the ball is sort of less than an inch over the line, and they're and they're giving it, and and, and vice versa when it's not over the line. Um, so yeah, they definitely need to sort it out, don't they? Yeah, and then there was the Villa thing when it didn't work, and you know, I mean, oh my god, that was awful. That, kept, that basically kept them up. You know? That was awful. Yeah, I just you know, I mean, that's someone that's that's cost one club millions of you know, it's just mm. talk to me about your. Um, the National Children's Football Alliance, your charity. Yeah, um, I, I started quite many years ago a, a, a campaign called Give Us Back Our Game, which was uh, about, um, because I just always played in the street and the parks and street football, never had coaches. And then when I, Charlie became of age, he, um, to play football, everything was structured and leagues and, and I thought, Jesus Christ, this isn't life. You know, no substitute, you know, substitute, same kids on the bench and same kid up front and, you know, the manager's kid. So we started this campaign called Give Us Back Our Game, which, which we had loads of press for uh, and coverage. Um, but it kind of petered out because it was, didn't really have roots. And a, a guy called Ernie Brennan started up, um, who, who was interested in what we were doing with Give Us Back Our Game. He started up um, uh, the National Children's Football Alliance 12 years ago, and we, we've, you know, I've been on board ever since. And two years ago, we came a full charity. It's just, it's brilliant. I mean, basically, most of what we do revol- revolves around the Flanders Peace Pitch uh, in Belgium, which was kind of by the site of one of the um, Christmas truce and the, um, you know, the, the, uh, Christmas Eve games between the uh, Germans and uh, the Allies, which also went on the next year as well. There was Christmas truces in 2015. And uh, we basically get kids, we, we twin these pitches, the Flanders Peace Pitch, because it's the most important football pitch in the world. Mm. It's just a grass pitch with very basic changing rooms. And our kind of, um, uh, our, you know, our, 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 what we basically say is if you can have a, a game of football during um you know against your enemy during a world war anything is is possible football is a great leveler it's a it's a great communicator and so i mean this week for instance we had a call from a school in nagasaki wow. now you couldn't get more you know one of the the places where the, uh, the americans dropped the atom bomb and they wanted twin a pits we've, we've we've got pitches now all over um the world uh, so, for instance, a couple of years ago, we went out to Belfast on the Craiger, Craiger Estate, a tough, tough uh, um, estate. Uh, and there's a green outside George Best's house where he, he learned to play football. So we twin that, and then we had Catholic and Protestant kids. What do you, what do you mean? What do you mean when you say twin? So what happens is we have uh, a plaque goes up at their pitch and at the Flanders Peace pitch, and um, every um, it, it becomes a safe place for children to ah, play. I see. 
and uh, on the 21st of September, which is International Day of Peace, they'll, they'll do a free event for, for kids. And that also allows then the children to go uh, to the Global Peace Games for a week uh, in September, which, um, and everything's paid for, so it's, it's fully funded. Um, and um, they meet, so last year we had 80 children from 20 countries, uh, so refugee kids, who are based in Belgium. And then we have also, it's all European funded. So we also do a, do some kind of sponsorship. We had a, a sponsored bike ride from Kent to um, uh, Menning Gate, uh, which was which Charlie and I did. Uh, and um, we raised money to bring nine kids from the slums uh, uh, in Nagpur, India. Wow. So they came over, uh, which was, you know, for them it was extraordinary they were the happiest kids i've ever seen as well which was interesting and they just mix and we do we do kind of fun games um uh jumpers for goalposts football quick cricket touch rugby half girls half boys 14 to 16 and then we do bike rides uh we do war walks uh it's it's a it's a, a peace program educational peace program they do art graffiti we do music stuff with drums they visit museum, Passchendaele Museum. They go to the cemeteries, and we attend the um, uh, last post ceremony at the Menin Gate. Uh, and it's it's just the best thing. Just football, football and music. Just just the kids just hit it off straight away. Wow. So we were we were go we were meant to be going out to Israel in uh, last April, uh, which is a pitch in Jaffa, which is a, a, a a program with with Israeli Jewish and Arab kids, you know. Uh, so, you know, we got one in the Falkland Islands. We're doing, you know, wow. which, was, which was a pitch where the Argentinian prisoners used to play. And one of the people that played on that pitch, his daughter, is on one of our pitches in Buenos Aires, and it's a um, um, it's a women's team, uh, and it's in an area, a real tough area where. It's frowned on having kind of women playing football, and that, and they're all victims of of sexual and domestic violence. And football is the is a way of you know is is a therapy for them. So we we, we twin that pitch. So it's just, just we're all over the world. It's just. Did you think it was, when you when you first started this? Did you think it was going to be this global? Yeah, I mean the idea was just it's just so pure and, and perfect. Mm. Um, and it, but it's just you know we we've got one full time guy. I'm I'm although I'm a director, I'm kind of non salaried. You know we've only got one full time person who who does the bulk of the work. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's just amazing. You know what what we're doing. Uh, and yeah, we got one coming up in Hong Kong, which is actually a cricket pitch. <laughs> Kowloon so it's just bizarre North America Canada um yeah this one in Japan would be fantastic yeah that sounds like a great one India you know yeah. especially where it is as well like the history of in, in terms be of great. it being a peace program as well yeah it'd be great to go over there um you know some we can we can some are some are difficult just because of finances but it's uh, the Israeli trip we were really looking forward to we'll still go hopefully later next year but um and charlie will go to that he's he's daisy and charlie are patrons of uh, oh nice NCFA, yeah and where can we where can we donate where can listeners go on and uh, help out the charity uh well at present um yeah it's www.childrensfootballalliance.org 
www.co.uk, I think it is. Cool. I'll put a link in the description. Yeah. So wants to go on and donate to this wicked charity. But the thing at present is um, we have a raffle going on for one of Kerry's Swindon Town shirts worn by Daisy on set, which has been signed by um, Charlie and Daisy, and it's £5 a head. So if you, you, know, you can donate £5 and you also might win that shirt. Oh, uh, okay. That goes on until Monday, I think it is. That sounds great, mate. It's really, really good, mate. What a great, what a lovely, peaceful idea that has turned into something amazing. It's, it's extraordinary. And the interesting thing is we haven't had one penny from football in this country. You know, we've had to go all over the place to get funding and stuff. So it's quite interesting that you know, it's, it's not backed. Yeah, that's strange. Why? I wonder why, why is that then? Well, you same old problems. Have you, you know. pitched it to... to oh, you? yeah, yeah. You know, the usual people, but they're not interested. They have their own things, so it's always a battle, but that's fine. You know, it's, it's, that's fine. You know, we... we uh, and and this, this, we're doing also some projects um, in this country. We'll be doing some projects re- regarding young people's mental health as well, so... We've got a big um, charity football match on the 25th of July and a gig the day before uh, in Sirencester. So we'll be make, raising funds for that. And we'll be, we're doing this in conjunction with a, uh, a charity called Sport in Mind, who already deal with, with kind of mm. uh, adults and children with, with mental health. So, and and the, the big thing that's come out of COVID and stuff, it's, it's the children that have suffered, you know. Mm mental health is not good uh, so yeah, they've been locked inside for six months yeah that's right you know and um you know so just just somewhere they can come play football for free and just you know join in and, and stuff and and if they want to talk fine but it's it's really just the fo- football based you know just to get out well great idea it just reiterates i reiter- reiterate this on nearly every single episode i do because we get talking some something deeper and it just proves again that football is so much more than just a game and it's so much more than just 11 uh 22 people kicking a ball about on a on a field it runs deeper than that doesn't it yeah and and i and, and again it's it's going back to that first world war you know the the and clearly that the, the the germans and the allied soldiers played football like the argentinian prisoners did for their mental health, you know, I mean, that's what they were doing. And uh, it's just that common language. And it's just that it's such a simple game at some levels, not without VAR, but mm. um, it just reaches kind of everything really, you know, you're anywhere in the world and you talk about football, you just make that connection. So. Mm-hmm. Paul, if you could uh, play any footballer past or present in a biopic of their life on the big screens, who would you play and why? Ooh. I kind of think, I mean, Bobby Moore, I, I think probably just, just because everything you kind of hear about him, it was just such a, he's just such an enigma. I mean, I know he played for Fulham for a short while, but I was nine when uh, England played in that World Cup final. And that was really the thing that got me into football. And he was just so iconic. And the way he looked... And he never had a hair out of place. He mm. looked kind of absolutely Im- immaculate. And what a player he was. He, he, he couldn't head the ball very well. He wasn't fast, but he just read that game. And I just think he was just such a kind of gent. I know he had off 
the field problems, but um, you know, reading his autobiography and seeing seeing the um, uh, you know the kind of film and stuff, the documentaries and stuff, just yeah, yeah, Bobby Moore, class act, um, and there's kind of stories about him that he'd kind of ask if he could go, you know, just nip in at half time at West Ham, just to, you know, would it be possible just to come and see? see the you know see the match you know that kind of you know he's just uh never took it for granted like some of the people now just mm. absolutely you know old school center half oh yeah yeah do but with a brain a real football brain do you remember the world cup then the in that 66 yeah i was nine yeah absolutely so it was you know i can you know remember the players i can remember most of the, the the german you know the names of the german players just it was such a kind of time, you know, so I watched the first half uh, at home and the second half at my grandfather's house. And, and we were, we were already kind of playing street football and, um, you know, uh, in the park and stuff as kids. And we just played all day, every day. I mean, it's, it's, and that really, and then the next year we started our own team. And I've, I never, I've never ever had a football coach. So we started our own team. You know, we got, um, it was a bit like the Magnificent Seven. It was holidays and we go around on our bikes and we hear that there's this kid in a village who's very good. And we go and we see this kid knocking a ball against the wall and we kind of nod at each other on our bikes. He's the one. And we ask him, <laughs> do you want to play a game next Saturday? We're going we're gonna to have a game. And we, uh, and we, we got this field um, and we, we kind of borrowed a lawnmower and then someone had, someone's mum had some liqueur chocolates for a birthday. So we got raffle tickets and was, went around the town knocking on doors just to kind of buy kit and stuff, you know. And it's just, we, so we, we had this club, Red Star United. And we didn't have any, you know, we were nine, ten, and we didn't have any adults involved at all. And, and, we, we, and we'd just go round and find out a team and they'd come in on their bikes and play us. But it was kind of proper. We'd we made our own goalposts and everything. You know, we had this proper little field. I love the idea of you going around on your bicycle as a 10-year-old scouting the local talent. <laughs> yeah, with a kind of cheroot, you know. Ah, gringo, he's good. Yeah, and that's what we did. We spent the whole time because you didn't, you didn't know their phone numbers. You didn't, you know, you just knew that he lived in this village. And you'd ask around and they say, oh, I think he lives down the bottom, you know, so you'd knock on a few doors and you that's how we found our team, you know, but, oh, we had so much fun, you know, so much fun. So that was a buzzing era for football then, the late 60s. Oh, yeah. I mean, winning that was just, and being at that kind of impressionable age, it just kind of stuck with me, you know. And of course, we've not done anything since, you know. I mean, mm. uh, Next year, hopefully. Yeah, well, we kind of just, yeah, it's kind of the, the glad well, just, the innocence of it seems to have kind of gone, you know. It was just such a great time, you know, mm. just, just iconic. And in the 60s as well. And those red shirts were just... Yeah, no sponsor, really just a badge. Yeah, you know, exactly. That was kind of, you know, just so simple. Absolutely brilliant. Well, any producers who may be listening to this and you want to make a Bobby Moore biopic... Look no further. Than well, I Paul look Cooper. the same, don't I? I look the same. <laughs> play, the go game, to... play the game the same way as well. <laughs> Read the game like Bobby. Yeah. Paul, thank you very much, mate, for coming on. Much appreciated. Thank you very much, Charlie. Really enjoyed it. <laughs>